Welcome to Beyond Synth. Please note, Beyond Synth is an explicit program and may contain inappropriate language. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Hey there, welcome to Beyond Synth. I'm your host, Andy Last, and this is episode 139. On the show today is Duet. And uh, we have a fun conversation, and that's coming up in just a little bit. But we're going to listen to some music first. We're going to have a a good time. How's everybody doing this week? I'm a little tired. I uh, I had a little event. If any of you uh, follow me on uh, Instagram or Facebook, you will have seen my little adventure in purchasing PlayStation VR. But I'll uh, I'll tell you more about that later. Let's just say it uh, it didn't go as planned, and that's uh, that's a lot of fun. But uh, here, let's listen to a track. This is Beat Plastic and the song Teen Steam. Thank you. 
And that was Teen Steam by Beat Plastic. Uh, I should point out, by the way, and just for anyone listening, if you're curious... Today's show is brought to you by Zencaster. Now, if you don't know what Zencaster is, it is an internet-based recording app for podcasters, and it's uh, pretty cool. I use it to record the conversations on Beyond Synth, and you should check it out if you already do a podcast or if you're planning on doing one. It's the best way to record uh, conversations with your friends if they're, you know, if you're doing one of those podcasts where one of you's in Florida and the other one's in New York or whatever. I'm just making up cities. Uh, it's a really great way to uh, do a podcast. It's a higher quality than recording over Skype, and basically what you do is when you uh, have an account with Zencaster, you just hit record, and it actually records the audio on um, each person's side of the conversation. So it's really super cool and convenient, and when the when you're done recording, it just sends the audio files to your Dropbox, and uh, you can have them there ready for editing and stuff. So it's a really cool program. It's called Zencaster, Z-E-N-C-A-S-T-R, the easiest way to record your podcast. Podcast in studio quality. Sign up using the coupon code BeyondSynth to receive 20% off. And please do that because they are sponsoring the show right now in the hope that someone will use that coupon code. But uh, you should definitely check it out. It's actually a, a really cool program. And uh, of course, Beyond Synth is also brought to you by Retro Revolutions. My buddy Jared. And uh, he just put up a new video you should check out. It's part one of the Sony Synthetic, which is the build he is doing for Marco Merrick, who uh, pops up on this show. And he is putting a PlayStation inside a boombox and he's uh, doing some rewire and doing some cool stuff so you can check out Retro Revolutions on YouTube and you can watch that episode right now and there's a bunch of cool music in the show and uh, who else? I think uh, Duchess of Deco makes an appearance for some unknown reason which I guess you'll find out when you see part two but uh, it's good so you uh, you can see just uh, the starting point of the build he's doing for Marco and it's going to be a cool device and that's uh, what he does over there in Retro Revolutions he makes a uh, cool mods and things of electronics and uh, you can also check him out on Twitter at Retro Faith Games and on Instagram at Retro underscore Revolutions Okay, so who wants to listen to some more music? Oh yeah, I had a PlayStation story. Well, whatever. You will listen to more music now. Uh, here's a track by Mecha Mako. Oh, I have a story about that too. Fuck. I'll tell both stories. They're, they're both not really great. <laughs> Uh, this is from her album Mad But Soft, which just came out. Mecha Mako is, of course, Haley Stewart from uh, Dead Astronauts, and you've heard her sing on a bunch of awesome artists' music. Had her on the show last season, and she just came out with an album just the other day. And here's a track that is featuring Fempop. This is Tomodachi.
that was Tomodachi featuring Femme Pop by Mecha Mako from the album Mad But Soft. And that was brought to you by my lovely Patreon Pattersons. There's my lovely $25 pals. There's Chris Dance, Gregorio Franco, Joey and Kendra, and Clint Dowling with the 2501. And of course, there's the Jacob Wick. He's a classy dude with the 2288 and the Frank Skinicki with the 1987. And lucky Chris Salaya Lane with the 1111. Yeah, so uh, Haley Stewart had a little uh, album release party at this little bar that has uh, video games in it. And uh, I went out there and... Uh, chatted with her for a few minutes and I just ended up playing video games with Dana Jean and there was uh there's the people from Parallels and we were playing uh Mario Kart 64 and who else I met some listeners of the show there some dude called Jared and uh, it was a good time and then I uh kicked Dana Jean Phoenix's ass at Mortal Kombat 2 for the Super Nintendo because I still have a lot of that shit memorized because I'm a cool guy and then afterwards uh what else when when we were leaving some dude drove up from the states just to interview Haley and we sort of crashed the interview and then uh, Dana Jean and I went out and uh, got some McDonald's <laughs> and that was basically uh, my evening. Oh, and I met some software designers or something, because there's, like, all these people there, like, some nerds who are uh, hanging out at the bar because they're all, like, mobile phone app developers or something. And, uh, yeah, so... <laughs> oh, and I and I got an Uber account. And I gotta say, Uber's awesome, because I haven't really ridden in an Uber. I think one time when Jake was here, uh, Jake, Haley, and I went out for dinner, and, uh, and then Haley called us an Uber home, and that was my first Uber experience, but this was my first, like, Uber experience as me. And holy shit, is it a lot better in a taxi. I mean, I got two Ubers who were, like, tryhards. So I got this one dude who, like, I get in the, the car and it's, like, super clean. He's like, yeah, you know, I got bottled water in the back and there's mints. And there's, like, mints and stuff. I'm like, what? It's like... <laughs> The complete opposite of a taxi. Whenever I ride in taxis, they fucking stink. They move too fast and keep on putting the brakes on too harshly. So they make me all like motion sick in the back because like they just keep stopping and starting. And then they're expensive. And oh man, it was just such a pain in the ass. So Uber is great. Big fan over here. I know I'm like, what, five years late to the party or whatever, but uh, I don't mind being late to parties so long as there's still a party going on. Let's, uh, let's listen to another song. This is a ditty by the Southern Tenant. Now, I've actually... <laughs> again, I'm going through my old emails. This guy got in touch with me, like, over... Was it a year ago? They're called the Southern Tenant, and they do sort of live, instrumental, like, horror movie music-type stuff. And uh, this was a concept album. I think it was called uh, The Horror of the Right. And this one's called The President's Man by the Southern Tenant.
And that was the Southern Tenant with the track The President's Man off the album The Horror of the Right. The horror. That is always a weird word to say because whenever I say it quickly, it sounds like I'm saying whore. And it is not the whore of the right. It is the horror of the right. <laughs> And that uh, was brought to you by my lovely $10 Pattersons. There's Fraser Davidson, Blake Peterson. Wait, Blake Peterson? I thought he was a donation of the beast. It looks like Blake Peterson has upgraded his support. Thank you, Blake Peterson. And then there's Ken Giroux, Martin Larby, Hexenwork, Digital Dreams, Power Loader, Trevor Resnick, Poly Digital, Elias, Garnier, Murat Ogute. Uh, whoops. <laughs> That's the old way I used to say it. It is Murat. Murat. And then there's Playmaker Media, Mike Shima, Ashley Keegan, Greg Smith, and fucking Slunks. Also, Joshua Evison, Will Lowe, Winfield, and Colin Bennett. Those are all lovely $10 Pattersons, for Pattersons. And uh, if you want to support Beyond Synth, just like these lovely people, you can go to uh, patreon.com slash beyondsynth and help a brother out. So on the weekend, this will be old news for people who follow me on Instagram, but okay, my wife wanted to get those dance games. We own a PlayStation 4, so we need the camera for that, the PlayStation Eye, and the Move controllers. So I figured, well, you know, PlayStation Eye is 75 bucks, the Move is this. My wife was going to go splitsies with me because she wanted to play the game more than I did. So I said, well, why don't we get the VR then? Maybe I can find someone online who's selling theirs used for a good price. Right now, if you go and check the websites, it's like $569, $579 Canadian, which comes to about 660 bucks with tax. And so I found someone who's selling theirs used for 400 bucks, And I was like, hey, that's a good deal. It's the Skyrim bundle, which means it's the newer version of the PlayStation VR. It's version 2. So I was like, cool. I mean, that seems like a good deal. 400 bucks. It's the new one, so it's only a few months old. Anyway, the guy seemed nice enough when I bought it from him, but he had only used it for like a few minutes and got nauseous, and that's why he was selling it. So I take it home, and the fucking... The VR worked fine, but the processor box, basically the way like VR works, like there's an HDMI cable that comes out of the PlayStation, goes into a box... And then that box sends the signal to the VR helmet thing. And the box wasn't outputting the signal to the TV. And so I spent like four hours just unhooking wires and plugging wires in. And it was just such a fucking waste of time. So it turns out that the processor box doesn't work. And I got to send it into Sony. And it's going to cost a hundred bucks. Actually more. And that pissed me off. I'm like, fuck. And then the same day that I'm calling Sony because I got to send this thing in, they start selling... The PlayStation VR on Newegg for $479, the same fucking set. And if you buy it now, they're also throwing in Doom. Like, what a fucking piss off, man. Like, (laughs) so I could have bought it brand new, had a warranty and all that shit for the same price. Oh, it's infuriating. But hey, you live and learn. But uh, so that's a little warning for you all. Um, Not sure what the warning is. But I'll talk more about the VR when I uh, chat with Marco uh, next time. But uh, listen, 
We're going to listen to some more music. As I said, you know, duets coming up, and it's a, and it's a good chat. And uh, you are cool people for listening to this show. Uh, let's check out Code Electro. I think I've played a track from this album, Triads, before, but this is a, another one I dug. This is Mission Control by Code Electro.
That was Code Electro with the track Mission Control. That was brought to you by my lovely $5 Pattersons. There's Ethan Henning, City Bats, Christopher Albert, Daniel Dexius, Florence Bullock, Star Nomad, Michelle Vasquez, Tim Ross, Neon Knox, Jared Glenn, Damian Rudies, Ross Pentland. Halla, Phil Clothier, Lee McConnell, Zychorax, Brad Neiman, Facehugger, Marco Cranendonk, and Corey Valentine. And if you want to uh, support Beyond Synth just like those cool people, uh, head on down to patreon.com slash beyond synth. So I just saw an article that says that our generation has a different name. I'm looking at this right now. Apparently we are Xenials. X-E-N-N-I-A-L and they're defining this micro-generation from 1977 to 1983 which is also the year of the Star Wars movies the original Star Wars uh, trilogy a micro-generation born during the cusp years of Gen Xers and Millennials in between 1977 and 1983 Xenials experienced an analog childhood and a digital adulthood They possess both the Gen X cynicism and the millennial optimism and drive. So that's interesting because, I mean, that tends to be a lot of the topics we talk about on this show. Being children of the 80s, I mean, you know, I'm I'm born in 81, and that's exactly what it was like. You know, when we were growing up, we were using all analog stuff, playing uh, classic analog video games, and then email and the internet slowly came in. I mean, I knew people with the internet when I was in grade 8, but that's when it was, like, not a common thing. You know, even throughout high school, you didn't have to have it. Like, I remember getting MSN maybe, like, in the very last year of high school. Remember, like, MSN chat? It still was, like, not everyone was using it. It was only, like, a few people. And then uh, I took a few years off. When I went to college, high-speed internet was a bit more, what's the word, ubiquitous? But, yeah, so, like, we have this weird duality, you know, where where we had this analog childhood and digital uh, adulthood. And so we, we understand digital things. But we still have this appreciation for the analog stuff because we actually, like, lived it. You know, it wasn't, like, something we had to read about. I mean, we did it. We, we, we are the generation that saw the transition and lived through it. And I think uh, that's pretty interesting stuff. So what do you guys think about that? Xenials, 1977 to 1983. Anyways... Let's listen to one more song and then we will go chat with Duet. How about that? Anyway, here's a song by The Rain Within from the album Atomic Eyes. And this is the titular Atomic Eyes track.
And that was Atomic Eyes by The Rain Within. Then I dig that. It's got a cool sound. And, uh, of course, that was brought to you by my $5 Pattersons. Timothy Pierce, Starlight Fisher, Barons of Santa Carla, Rawl Pud, Tristan Waits, Dana Jean Phoenix, Stu M, Night Raptor, The Rosconian, Simon Norberg, Matthew Lister, Dougie Fresh, Bobby B, Cunning Corvid, Roman, Joe and Lando, and Kai. Thank you very much for supporting Beyond Synth. You can join them at patreon.com slash beyondsynth. And before we go chat with Duet, it's time for the donation of the Beast. This is the donation of the Beast. These are all the people who donate $6.66. In the past few weeks, some of these people have uh, upgraded their donation to $10. But these people are still in the bowels of hell. There's Street Cleaner. Orlando Rodriguez-Neve. Moose Knox. Till Wild. Straylight. Carm. Lucas Ceballos. And Renton Brax. And of course, Polar Wildcat Studios with the 617, who I literally make this mistake every week and always forget because he just has that weird donation in the middle there. But uh, weird or not, it is greatly appreciated as everyone who donates to Beyond Synth. Uh, Listen, it means a lot to me, and it helps me keeping the show uh, coming out regularly. And if you happen to know a sultan or some sort of angel investor that wants to donate thousands of dollars a month, give them my number, baby. Because I need that sweet cash. And uh, <laughs> on that horrible note, let's uh, let's go chat with Duet. All right. Well, I am here with Duet, a.k.a. Ben. How are you doing? I'm doing all right, man. How are you? Good, thanks. Yeah, I'm really good, thanks. You having a good day? Really good, yeah. Nice and hot here in England today, so yeah. <laughs> is it actually? No, it's freezing cold. <laughs> As always. The thing is, right? Yeah. That can clearly be a sarcastic comment, but since the weather is so fucked up... Yeah. Because I'm in Canada, right? Yeah. And we have... One week, it'll be completely freezing, and everything's covered in ice, and it's like negative yeah. 30 Celsius, and then like the next day, it's like... A, a swing of like 30 degrees and then it's in the positives and people are wearing like spring jackets and yeah, I can relate to that yeah so that's that's the way the weather's been for the past few years and so uh, I wouldn't surprise me if you did have a day of warmth out there even in England yeah well at least you know we're already talking about the weather which is kind of all we do here so <laughs> I love, you know, my favorite thing, you know, I do this show and I love talking to people and I always say, it's like, it's fun to have interesting conversations with people. And I always make fun of people who engage in small talk, you know? So if I'm at a, if I'm at a party or a social event and like, there's nothing I have in common with the person who I'm talking to. And so they resort to talking about the weather or sports. Mm -hmm. And I always complain about those people going like, what empty conversations. And yet (laughs) I end up talking about the weather (laughs) so much here. And it's like, what am I doing? Uh, Anyway, it's all good. All good. (laughs) So man, how's your life? 
Good, good. Kind of, you know, the post-Christmas kind of thing where you're just getting back into everything, but working on lots of music, which is always good, you know. Yeah, man. Well, I, I look forward to hearing some more duets because you, uh, you make cool tracks. Yeah, I mean, it's been, I mean, it feels like I released that last album, Borderline, when was it? 2015, I think. And so I've just been working on a few ideas for the third album since that album was released. Mm-hmm. And now I'm kind of like, oh, right, I better actually get this done now because you know it's 2018 now because i mean i've listened to your (laughs) tunes for quite a bit and i think i've played there's that one track i probably played on this show probably like three or four times the one with uh stuart lockwood Uh, was it julianne or running scared running scared i love running scared that's a fucking great track which we will we will listen to thanks it's sort of like the the same with like look always love listening to look and playing look and then i think during the christmas episode because i was talking to joe wood yeah and i'm like wait you guys released that fucking album in 2014 and it's still is like it's it's one of the greatest ones but it's like they got to get on that and make some new shit i suppose that's one of the things about synthwave is that it doesn't really date you know if you listen to pop music year after year it kind of develops a bit more whereas with a lot of synthwave i mean obviously the sound does develop maybe artistically but exactly that's one of the things why i don't mind discovering an artist like years later yeah completely i mean obviously synthwave is a broad term i use to describe lots of things but yeah. when the point of the music is to harken back to this sort of nostalgia it doesn't matter when you discover it no. or when you play it so sometimes like there will be artists who people will be like have you ever played so-and-so's music and i'm like no and it turns out they've been making music since like 2013 and i I never knew absolutely well i'll tell you that's the thing with when i'm working on duet stuff one of the i've done two albums so when i started doing the third album you start thinking am i now starting to be in my kind of 1991 phase do you know what i mean while i'm going into like a different (laughs) style or is this going to age in real time in 20 years i finally catch up i think i actually had that conversation with the i think it was sunglasses kid actually where we were oh yeah joking about that the idea of like slow moving into the night or maybe it was kid casio like you're doing stuff in the 80s and then yeah you're, you move into your 90s phase and so you can <laughs> yeah. you can do your dance music where you have like a rapper come in and stuff absolutely i would say one of the things seriously is trying to keep yourself kind of interested in what you're doing because if i mean once you've done a few albums you go well i can't do another album maybe that sounds exactly in this style from this exact era with the same thing so what i try and do is for each album even though it sounds like me I try and use some different things that I haven't used before on the albums previous. Like, let's try and develop it a bit, you know, mm-hmm. so it sounds different. Why Why did you call it duet with two Ts? I don't know. I th- when I was doing it, I think I just got really... Um, I kind of had the first song and I kind of had the concept in my mind and I couldn't think of a name. And all I remember thinking is I want a name that I can kind of just doesn't really mean anything. It doesn't give you an idea of what the music is or anything. Mm-hmm. Obviously, since then, people, it does give people an impression because I think there's two of you. Because yep. <laughs> obviously, <laughs> that is a duet. Did you ever consider pretending to be uh, two people? Yeah, I mean, I, well, the idea was, I mean, even on some of the descriptions of, well, on some of the YouTube videos and stuff, I can see people talking about where I might be from or is it French? Is it from the US or anything like that? And I kind of like that. Yeah, you, know, you can you, like I say, there's plenty of information, and I've done interviews where I talk, you know, about where I'm from and everything. But and clearly, from your accent, you are French. Yeah, exactly. I don't know if people don't get that, you know, then. Um... <laughs> Where I live, I'm only kind of like 30 miles from France, so you know, you never know, I might pick up an accent. Yeah, you got to get in the, what the fuck is it, the channel? Yeah, the channel, yeah. Oh, the channel tunnel. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's a a reference. 
<laughs> Throw that one in with the weather. Um, well, listen, let's listen to a track, and then uh, and then we'll keep talking here. Most of the stuff I'm going to play is probably from Borderline, but it was a, it's a great yeah. album. Like, there's a lot of really great tracks oh. on there, so I'm always happy Thanks. to play cool music. And this was a, a cool track called Atlas by Duet. was Atlas by Duet, and I'm here with Duet right now, Ben, and uh, yeah, we're having a good time. Yeah, how's it going? It's going all right. So so what uh, made you start making this kind of music? I think, well, because I kind of made like, 80s influence music for a while. I used to do a project called Cassette Club about 10 years ago with my friend Tom, and that was kind of my outlet for 80s 
kind of music that I was into. An actual duet. Yeah, exactly. I made would have made more sense. Yeah. <laughs> you know. um, I just one day was kind of listening to a lot of Mitch Murder and stuff, and I was just looking at Bandcamp and thinking, there's a kind of outlet for this music that I thought that only I would like. You know, you can kind of do an, an EP or an album and have total control and do what you like, and through Bandcamp, people will find it. And they'll be into it and stuff. So I thought, well, I might as well have a go. And I kind of did an EP, which kind of people quite liked. And then did now. I mean, so at first it was just me doing the music just to, you know, it's indulgent, just trying to do the music for myself and hope that maybe someone else would like it. So y- your cassette club as well? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's a, <laughs> that's a thing I've learned today. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, we haven't done anything for a while, but off the back of cassette club, I mean, there was because there's two of us i remember i listened to it a, a while ago i haven't i don't have any like songs in my head offhand but it was good yeah yeah like we did some like we used to play quite a few live shows and we did you know, release quite a few things we've got an album of all our music on spotify and apple music and Bandcamp. but by the time i started doing duet i just wanted to do something new that was like new 80s because with with cassette club because it was vocal and stuff it was more kind of singles based and a lot of the 80s music i like isn't actually pop music or music it's kind of music from commercials or idents from videos computer game music Mm -hmm. you know so i just wanted to kind of be a bit more go down that road a bit more so are you still friends with that other dude yeah we live in the same town we live just around the corner from each other that's cool what's he doing he works at a bank for big bank but we do we do meet up i mean one of the reasons we stopped doing as much music isn't because we you know we still meet and play music and stuff it's just um it takes a lot of effort for us to kind of get a yeah. <laughs> to complete a whole song. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So maybe there'll be something coming up in, in the future at some point. So if he's working at a bank, can you, like, get yourself, like, a sweet deal on a loan? you think so, wouldn't you? Actually, I wouldn't. You know, to be honest with you, like, <laughs> when there's so much <laughs> bureaucracy and stuff, I mean, like, uh, my wife works at, like, uh, a big sort of daycare school type thing, and uh, they won't give her a deal to, like, put our kids in. I know. That's why they've got so much money, isn't it? Yeah, and it's just like, just <laughs> give us right. a fucking deal, man. Like, this is why I get no work done, because I'm, like, a stay-at-home dad, and so I have to find like an hour each day where I can somehow fit in eight hours of work. It's a hard life, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you on that one, though. What do you uh, What do you do for fun over there when you're not uh, making tunes? I guess you've been having a lot of fun the last two, three years. Yeah, yeah. What do I like doing? I don't know, really. Um, cycling, um, spending time with kids, mainly. But I do do lots of other music projects as well, so I'm produce music for other people and do other bits and bobs so lots of musical things going on in sort of in spare time as well how do people know like about that stuff like do you actually are you actually like a musician for hire kind of thing yeah i mean i work um for publishers and for labels and stuff just creating stuff sometimes i mean not 80s music you know sometimes it's more pop music or it varies, it varies. Well, that sounds like fun. Is it fun? Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> I've, been, I've been doing it for a long time. I've been doing it for about 15 years. Oh, wow. Something like that. So, yeah. Well, that's good. It's only during the last kind of five years with Duet that, I mean, that is the exact music that, you know, comes out of me if I just sat and do anything. Mm-hmm. That's the music that I'm into. That's the music that um, I listen to, you know. So I have the most fun working on Duet out of anything. So when you're doing your actual, like, work... Yeah. Do you ever have to like sort of emulate different styles? Yeah. Well, it's strange because there's quite a few lately, like 
synth wave you know in, as a as a genre as a commercial genre it's kind of i don't know a, there's lots of people that are saying i think stranger things you know you get lots suddenly a thing comes along and everyone wants something that sounds like that mm-hmm. as if it hasn't existed before yeah 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 They're like, i really like that stranger things soundtrack i really want to get something like that i'm like well you know there are hundreds of artists doing music as good as that. And with Stranger Things, it's funny because, you know, I mean, it's a good show and, and yeah. people get very excited about it. And I, my favorite thing about Stranger Things, honestly, is the title sequence. Yeah, I agree. That's my favorite thing. And I always watch it all the way through and it annoys me because Netflix always wants me to skip it. <laughs> and I'm like, this right. is the best part of the show. And really, it's slightly frustrating because it's it's not super complex or yeah. that interesting yeah. of of synth music, but it's like yeah. it it works so well with the the graphics, like you know the the actual the, the font they've chosen and the way they've done it. It's so yeah. perfect and the music. But then when I think of all the artists that um, that I play on the show, that I've interviewed, that I like to listen to, yeah. uh, making making that same t- type of music, I'm like, but their stuff is so much cooler. Like just really cool music. I suppose the thing with Stranger Things as well is anything where everyone's saying, "Oh my god, you've got to watch this. It's the best thing you know ever." I'm always then really cynical about watching it after that. And also, as soon as there's anything 80s sounding, so Stranger Things or anything, everyone's on my, on to me saying you like the 80s music you'll like this automatically and it's like well sure you know everyone is always wrong though I don't know if I'm a very particular person or if this is like everyone's experience because I am like I don't want to say I'm particular but like you know I've got specific reasons why I like the things I like maybe that is the exact definition of particular and so yeah I get in that same situation where people always will assume Mm -hmm. they're always wrong about comedy that's one thing that yeah and there's lots of things I find funny, but whenever people are like, oh, this movie's hilarious, you'd love it, I'm like, there's a fucking yeah. 100% chance that I won't. And it happens with people. People go, oh my God, this guy that I've met, this new friend, he's so funny, you oh, yeah. love him. And <laughs> well, you think, you I hate him already. Yeah, I know, I know, you can't. <laughs> I mean, that's one of the reasons why, even though I have, I like to laugh, and mm-hmm. I I think that this show is funny because I, I, I laugh when I'm chatting to people <laughs> yeah. and we have funny conversations. I will never, ever tell somebody, listen to my show, it's funny. Put it this way. I won't advertise it that way. If someone says that was a funny interview, then I'll be like, yes, it yeah. was. But I will never say that because that's the worst thing you can do is inter- be introduced as funny uh, yeah. because then it's like, then you're dead. Because I've had friends do I that know. to me where they're like, they're introducing me to someone like, oh, like Andy's like the funniest guy I know. I'm like, oh, fuck, no, <laughs> you don't. Hey, like, I'll be the judge of that you know yeah 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 and it's just like uh oh and then i'm in for an evening of just people like scowling at me going like hey man i like yeah. I, I didn't want to say anything funny i thought you said it was funny yeah. you know. <laughs> this guy's just kind of an asshole <laughs> well listen i didn't know you were part of cassette club so how about we listen to a cassette club track yeah go for it you have a favorite or one that you're like particularly proud of one thing we used to play which we like playing was a track called talk to me talk to me all right well let's fucking let's listen to that uh here's a track by cassette club this is talk to me (laughs) (laughs) i don't know why i gave it that inflection i enjoyed that Get out. 
was Talk To Me by Cassette Club. And I'm here with Ben, who is, I'm, I mean, this show is all about duet, but he was also in a duet uh, with another chap yeah. called Tom, who, uh, in, the, yeah. in this thing called Cassette Club, which is good. I have sort of a schedule where, like, at the end of the month, I'll go through and I've got, like, a list of artists and old things to check out, and I usually um, write to every artist and, and ask for their permission to play their music. And so Cassette Club is one of those ones that I know is, like, in a list of, like, I... You probably would have received an embarrassing message from me in like a month, going like, "Do you mind if I play cassette club tracks?" And you'd be like, "It's me, man!" Like, yeah, no, yeah, completely. I mean, that's one of the things I don't normally. If I go out here, if I have a pseudonym or something, I'm completely cool with that. I know a lot of people if they have a different name, they want to go, "Oh, this is me," you know, "This is me." There's there's a picture of me and stuff. I try and keep it so it's separate you know because then I can just concentrate on doing that individual project without it kind of bleeding into the other stuff so in in terms of when you guys were working together like what was it that you were each sort of bringing to that project I mean it depends most of the time I think that I would be doing the backing tracks it started off I would do the backing tracks and then send them to Tom he would write something because Tom's a good writer and a really good singer we did write quite a few together we wrote Talk To Me together a track called For Me which um, was a single as well which came out we wrote together so it um, kind of depends yeah I mean we tried to do it together as much as possible but my my thing always mainly is 
composition and production. So what stuff have you sort of worked on lately, like, you know, not duet related, but, you know, when you're talking about uh, doing these these side things, like, do you, do you score, like, corporate videos and stuff? I have done things like that. Like, um, what have I done in the past? Stuff in Nokia, things like that. It depends. I mean, whatever I've done, I've written tracks for, I mean, I won't tell you what they are, just in case anyone, you know, tries to check them out and thinks, oh, God. Some pop sort of tracks for China. I mean, it really does vary. That's an interesting thing, because I, I think I know some other people that do that sort of stuff as well, where, like, they... It's, it's not called ghostwriting, I don't think. In, or is it in music when you, when you like, make a... Like, you basically make the music and you send it to some K-pop band? Yeah, and then they'll... Especially if you work in somewhere they're not singing in your language and you can't write in their language, then you'd obviously just work mainly on backing tracks. Sometimes you work on melody hooks, like vocal hooks and stuff, which they then translate, but it's mainly just backing tracks. It would be really funny to just write a K-pop track in Korean and with no knowledge of how to do that and like just use Google Translate and then write them a song and and then actually sing it and stuff. I know. I'm sure that everyone would love to hear me do that. But <laughs> oh, I want to do that now. That. I think it was last year, the year before, uh, uh, Joe Wood from Lucasette yeah. and I wrote this joke song, or he wrote the music and I did the singing and it was called uh, yeah. Titty Time Tonight or something. <laughs> yeah. I want to get him back because I wanted to do... D- did you ever hear um, Modo? I don't think so. Modo was this German techno dance music that popped up in like the 90s. It was just a guy yeah. and he... He had these very repetitious choruses yeah. where, like, so Eins Vines Polizei was like his big hit. And that's yeah. the one where it's like Eins Vines Polizei, Eins Vines yeah. Polizei. And like, that's the that's the song he's basically, and he's saying one, two, three, police in German. And it's just like looped. Like, it makes no sense. It's just yeah, gibberish, like completely. almost like a mantra. I really want to parody that stuff, and I am going to do it in German. I mean, it's a hook, though. I mean, if it works, is I mean, there's a cassette club track which is basically just um, counting to ten almost. <laughs> it's called it's called for me, mm. and it goes one, two, three for me. It's got all these other, like numbers in it. And I remember when we did that, we thought mm, this might be pushing it a bit, you know, <laughs> just counting to ten basically. And so, but it was fine in the end, you know. Sometimes if it's just a hook, you know, then people you can get away with quite a lot of stuff if people are into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lyric wise, I think it's just more the. For me, it's the the funniness is coming with the uh, the <laughs> funniness is coming with what sort of phrase is that? There's a lyric for the for the song. I'm uh, I'm not even going to finish that thought because I just said the funniness is coming. I don't know. The, <laughs> I'm not going to follow that it up is with. Though. It is though. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Maybe I didn't sleep last night. How about this? I want to listen to... This is probably my favorite duet track. I've listened to this a lot because it is awesome. It's called Running Scared. People will recognize this because I've played it many times on uh, on this podcast because it's great. And it's uh, featuring some dude called Stuart Lockwood. So let's listen to that.
And that was Running Scared featuring Stuart Lockwood by Duet. And that's uh, that's a good one. I like that one. Cool. Thanks. Who is Stuart Lockwood? He's someone I've known for a long time. He was one of those people that's that he's quite quiet. He's an actor. Um, and he also is probably a bit like me in that he doesn't tell people what he's doing. And suddenly you'll see him on TV, you know, on a commercial or something. And he's one of those people that, that, pe- that everyone would say, God, he's got a really good voice. Did you know that like, he can sing? And I'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you get a lot of people like that where they've got a friend who says you should, you know, they can sing. They've got a really good voice. And um, just knowing Stuart and the sort of music he's into, we're in exa- into exactly the same stuff. When I started doing this, I did the first album. I was like, let's try and do a vocal track. I'll do a backing track. I sent him the backing track for Running Scared, which was pretty much as it sounds now. It was kind of completed. And he just <laughs> sent me like a voice memo back. He'd recorded on his phone of him singing this thing. Mm. And sometimes people send stuff back where they sing into their phone and you think, well, maybe when we've put some effects on it and we've kind of ironed everything out, it'll be fine. I could just hear it out of my phone. I was like, this sounds... It fits with the track perfectly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the idea of the, the style of the song and the vibe was a kind of end of some film where, I don't know, a kind of life-affirming kind of moment towards the end. And his vocal and his lyrics just are exactly that. The reason why I asked in that sort of accusatory way is who Stuart Lockwood is, is because yeah. I couldn't really find his presence anywhere. Like, I do like to, you know, if an artist is featuring a vocalist and when I'm doing the links, like when I post yeah. the show up and I like to say, here's the links to Duet and here's the links to yeah. the vocalist, and I just couldn't find him and I didn't really see him, you know, vocals on other people's songs or anything. So I'm like, who is this guy? Because his voice is really good. Like, it's great. I mean, yeah, because that's, he, he hadn't done, well, he might have done bits and bobs, but he hadn't done anything like that before, which is why I got a lot of messages actually going, saying exactly that. Who is he? <laughs> I want to find more of his stuff. I want to find out about him and things. I suppose if you just went on, you'd find out more about him if you go on IMDb. He's got a big, he's got an IMDb page full of stuff that he's in. But I suppose like me, with duet and i wanted to work with him on something for this because i knew that he would he's like me kind of keeps himself to himself you know and tries to keep it he's not a big pop star or anything where he's going to be you know up on stage singing every night or anything well i mean but it's it's good that's all that uh yeah and i would say working with Stuart on running scared and and with julianne as well the other track we did after that is the tracks sound that way as well because we have such a nice time making them as well because you know we get on and we're into the same stuff when exactly i he knows exactly the sort of thing that I like. And well, I think, uh, yeah, Julianne especially is very... What's the word I'm looking for? Like, it's legit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, for the time, like, for the the style that you're going for and the way he's singing and, like, yeah. the, the melody and everything, that's, like, yeah. this is a full-on 80s track. Like, this could have been on the radio. Yeah. A lot of the stuff, the synth wave, I like. Yeah. When it's, like, it's 80s inspired. But then there's still, you know, like, a synth sound or something in there that's, like, yeah. not of that time period, which is fine. Like, I don't care. I like, to me, awesome music is awesome music. But Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I think that's part of the fun with doing those tracks is trying to get them to sound authentic obviously it's difficult to get them to sound like but with Julianne I think we did lots more backing vocals and lots more kind of there's some guitar fills I wanted to make it sound like it was expensively made back then right do you know what I mean like as if I, we'd had a lot of stuff going on singing backing vocals guitars everything when it wasn't really you know yeah. it was kind of, it was just us sitting in the room doing it but also I, I think with a lot of newer 80s sounding tracks the vocals are the thing that suddenly don't sound 80s right they stick out they sound like they've been recorded now even as the tracks are so I was trying with Julianne and I was running scared to just kind of 
bed it in and to make it try and sound like it was recorded. Like, what was the process in trying to accomplish that? Because, I mean, there's some artists who might purposefully do sort of anachronistic things. I'm thinking, mm-hmm. you know, like Kid Cassio, who I really like, who I think writes yeah. really great uh, pop songs. But in his early stuff, he used autotune quite a bit. Yeah. And obviously that's an immediate like... Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think also, too, just because there's so much you can do... I mean, I don't want this to come across the wrong way, but I feel like if you were recording in that time, before computers could, you know, modulate and clean up vocals, you just full-on had to have a good voice. Yeah, I completely agree. And so now the thing is, like, because I've done it with my voice when I sing. Like, I don't have a great voice, but, like, I put it into Logic, and Mm -hmm. I'm sitting there, like, dragging notes up and down, like, oh, I fucking, that D was flat, and I didn't hit that C, and I'm literally just dragging it. Even if you do it subtly, and it's not, like, auto-tune-y. Yeah. It's still not the same as someone with a great voice. I agree. And it sounds, and it starts to sound, the more you tweak it, the more it sounds modern, which yeah. is what you don't want to do. Because I think if what I try and do with duet as on the whole and with the vocals is I try and picture what I might have in my studio if I was at my sort of level back then. I mean, if I was doing an album. So if you listen to an album like Purple Rain or something, which is made with, you know, two or three synths, two drum machines and the vocals, the album sort of fits. You can hear you know they were limited whereas now you're not limited because you can have an uh, you know every keyboard every synth ever Mm -hmm. as a plugin so when i'm doing this i try and go right i might have four synths and a drum machine and not a brilliant mic you know i'm trying to kind of work out if i was doing this then what would i have and limit myself to that and so when i'm doing vocal production with vocal production for other stuff i might be putting you know limiters and loads of compression on it and ds's and all this other stuff that make and auto-tune and tuning it and bringing it all out but with duet vocals i try and be a bit more minimal with it because the more you compress and everything these tracks the newer they sound mm-hmm. that's why with lots of the duet tracks the mix down on them is quite old-fashioned i'm trying not to just crank everything up to the max well, that makes sense yeah i mean like it definitely like it, it does have a, a legit sound so cool. whatever you're doing man is working but let's listen uh, but let's listen to another track cool and then we'll uh, we'll keep talking this was another uh i mean i pretty much liked all the songs on that album so i'm just gonna <laughs> keep playing them this is a track called the city by duet
And that was The City by Duet. Uh, and I'm talking a duet right now, Ben. Hi. You know, we're we're talking just just before then about um, mm-hmm. your setup, and uh, you know, uh, so what specifically? That was a terrible way to try and segue into that. What? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> it's fine. I need to go say. <laughs> I knew. I know where we're going. <laughs> so yeah. So what? What is your uh, your setup like? Do you li- do you like analog uh, synths? Are you a, a VST man? Yeah, I'm a VST man. Well, I did used to have a few synths, but I always found lots of people say about the analog sound and things like that. You know, they they say they want they like using the synths. I completely understand that because it, I mean, if I could have a room full of synthesizers, I would. But for me, my workflow, you know, the way I work, I don't have I don't need to have them because the option of having synths would be good but it doesn't really work for me because i like to kind of work in the box on my laptop and just kind of work that way because i feel like if i have synths then i need a room and i can't go anywhere else and i can't you know because i like to sometimes go and work somewhere else yeah 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 and i feel like if i've just got a laptop and headphones and everything's there then i can just do what i need to do or get out you know go somewhere yeah that's important too like i find with any creative thing it's like you need to sometimes just you get away yeah and uh, you know that's why you see people like writing in like starbucks and stuff like they don't want to be in their house yeah. and, and it does yeah it, you know it, it does it'll definitely inspire you in ways that you can't fully explain if you just take your laptop to like the park or something like something might be yeah. different about it yeah absolutely i mean but then with vsts like i said about trying purposely to limit myself to say four synths for an album I can go, I'm just going to take these four synths, you know, the VST versions of them, and then limit myself to that. And get, whereas on the next album, I might want to go, well, some different synth system. I and mean, they're so expensive, you know, I couldn't do that in real life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's one of the reasons. Like, it. also, I don't think a lot of the time, once the, the tracks have been processed and mastered or whatever, people can tell. You know, if people said to me, do you make all the duet stuff using real synths? And I said, yes. Then they'd probably just take that as... <laughs> You know, as fact. Yeah, you want to be like those pretentious people that pretend that they know. That's that's what I want to be. Yeah. When you go like, oh, it was it was made uh, completely analog, and like, oh, I can totally tell. Oh, the the warmth of the synth. Exactly. What I exactly. notice is in real life there is, I'll go to the music store and noodle away on like an eight thousand dollar synthesizer or something. Yeah. And there is something really cool about that. There's lots of things going on. There's just something tactile. You know, you're playing an expensive keyboard. There's, yeah. I think some of it might even be like um, subconscious, like just the fact that you know, like you look at your, as you're playing the keyboard, you're looking at the price tag and it's like yeah. the fucking, like literally they had this fucking Korg there that was $8,000 and I'm just looking at it, like this yeah. thing is $8,000. I know. So part of that, you just know, okay, well, I'm playing an awesome thing, you know, and yeah. and if they have it hooked to a nice sound system, so like all the basses just sound perfect because the the fucking speakers that they have there are also like fucking, yeah. you know, like $500 each and stuff. And yeah, there's a lot, uh, you know, there's a lot going on, but like, I appreciate the gear aspect. Like there's, uh, you know, some artists uh, in the scene who I like, who, who have these warehouses of synthesizers like um yeah uh, dallas campbell's one where he always posts these things to instagram where he's just like surrounded by all these crazy like 80s synths and weird yeah, drum machines yeah. and he's like pressing buttons on them and flipping and it looks it looks fun like that does seem something like fun to do and that's also does is part of the creative process there when you're sitting with the actual kind of 
the faders and knobs and stuff on the synths you know you probably you will come up with things you might not come up with if you're just clicking on a mouse and stuff I completely appreciate that and the sound of synths with the thing the analogue sound and the warmth and stuff that people say if you go and you plug headphones in or you into a new synthesizer or even lots of them from the 80s they do have a sound that it's so bright and so um, and so good but they're not often I've used these synthesizers on some of the old cassette club stuff we'd go great we've just used a Juno 106 on a track use this pad you know we've spent ages doing it and then we compress it and put it through a limiter and EQ it digitally in logic right how much of that analog thing that you liked originally have you carried over with all that processing that's a good point because the the processing is still happening digitally with a lot of the people yeah who are making this music now and that's a good point because I've never really thought too much about that like if you want to stay really pure Hmm. then you want to get a fucking rack where you're actually like running it through some analog compressors and limiters and then you need a whole fucking shelf of things yeah there is something nice about it and it is the knobs I mean like I don't use analog limiting for for my sound or whatever but but i did um for a while i had one yeah like i got like a retro it wasn't so retro but and it was nice i plugged the mic into it and then uh instantly my voice sounded so much cooler but i just found the process <laughs> to be really cumbersome yeah because it was like my mic was running to that and then it had to run to my interface on my computer and then into the computer and there was just i didn't like all the wires everywhere and at the end of the day when yeah. i when i listened to both versions like what i sounded like through the limiter and what i sounded like without it and i was like it's yeah. it's not worth the hassle of having all this shit everywhere yeah i'm completely with you on that and like i say i mean i've a laptop put a plug it into you know a monitor and stuff in my studio but the less crap i can have surrounding where i'm working the better so if literally I know I've got good headphones and my laptop and I've got all the things I need within that, I kind of feel better that it's a limited... Well, I'm not relying on things to work or space or anything like that. My dream office... Yeah. And I will never have it because I always have a desk cluttered with shit and I keep trying to <laughs> clean it off because I, I get um, stressed out by clutter, but yet I'm always surrounded by it. Yeah. And... My dream office is like something out of 2001. I want like like the spaceship at the end. I want a, a room where the floor <laughs> yeah. is lit up white. And then I yeah. sit around a circular desk so that there's no way that wires can get like hidden behind walls yeah. or like get wedged into things. Like it's a circular desk. It's easy for me to always kind of reach around and plug things in and unplug stuff if I need to. Yeah. But then the desk is just empty and it's white and the whole room is just sort of glowing soft white color and... And, and the desk is right in the middle of the room so that there's no, like, being wedged in the corner or feeling cramped or anything. And, like, that's my dream office. Well, you never know, do you? One day. I, would, I mean, I would love to. <laughs> d- dude, I'm, I am 36. Yep. And I still, in my life, have never had a proper office. I'm always sort of wedged into the corner of another room and no one respects yep. that that's my office I think a lot of studios my my studio space isn't a studio like I just said full of synths and stuff it's a like a room for me to work in where I've got monitors and MIDI keyboards and stuff like that but I struggle not to make it basically just a bedroom from when I was a kid yes because <laughs> if I had it my way you'd have like TV Nintendo you know like all the posters on the wall back to the future stuff in there happy meal toys <laughs> you know, i just like have stuff shit everywhere yeah. from that and it'd be basically like i think you, you go i want this to be like the bedroom i had when i was about 10 mm-hmm. 
I think that is like the, the struggle of all sort of men as we as we get older. Because yeah. I, I look, dude, you're saying that, and I'm doing the same thing. I've got like, oh, I've got like a little Lego TARDIS on my desk, and it's just like, yeah. like I've got to have Lego and toys, and yeah. yeah, like all these silly lights, and I basically turned half of my room into a into a talk show set. Yeah, um, cool. Which I sit in right now, and it's just like, what am I? Uh, anyway, let's let's listen to another track here. Okay. So we talked about this before. This was the other one you did with uh, Stuart Lockwood, and it is a, a great track, and it's called Julienne.
And that was Julianne by Duet featuring Stuart Lockwood. And I'm here with Duet right now. Ben, we're talking about offices. Yes. Of the, <laughs> yeah. Or bedrooms from when you're 10. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm guilty of that. And I'm realizing that it sort of stresses me out a bit because it's just more clutter. There's a grown up version where you go instead of filling the wall with posters like I used to, because I I did one of those where in my room I would poster every inch of wall. Yeah. But I didn't do it like a collage. I did it neatly. So like they all bordered each other. But it was still the wall was full of posters. And then you then I get older and I'm like, I'll plaque my favorite posters and put them up like it's a movie theater. So I did like Scarface and Back to the Future. Yeah. So that it looks like they're properly framed and neatly on the they're wall. Properly important things now. Yes. They, you know, this is not just a poster model, you know. I need, I need this Ghostbusters 2, yeah. <laughs> you know, cereal box poster thing that I got free, you know, framed. Yeah, that's that's what <laughs> makes stairs. it that's what makes it adult, is like it's the framing of it. You know, you take your toys and yeah. like, oh, but if I put them on a shelf with a little light behind it yeah then it's like it's a museum piece and it's like no they're still just cool thing they're still just toys like that's what they are well i mean i've got it's almost like an archive of stuff like that which i keep i mean part of me thinks when i'm doing duet music that i should just surround myself in all these things because i've got stuff not just posters i've got pepsi cans catalogs you know stuff from the 80s and early 90s that i've just kept and they're just in boxes kind of stacked up Mm -hmm. given the chance i could probably recreate a 90 a late 1980s kid's bedroom in about five minutes (laughs) (laughs) but it'd be like the coolest kid ever because when i was a kid i didn't have half the shit i wanted yeah no exactly yeah they're the same so i've kind of collected it as i've you know older as well yeah i wonder if do you think that's like a like a specific thing to like dudes yeah i don't do girls have that same yeah i don't know because i don't see my wife really attempting to like recapture her childhood in that way the same way that when i'm at like a thrift store or something and i see like a thing that i wanted when i was a kid like I, i'm like i gotta gotta have this i think and like i don't know why yeah i think as well as i've got older because i i'm 36 as well is that as i get older i get more and more like that I get more and more, you know, I want to go and spend the afternoon in a video arcade or, you know, spend my time looking at just old stuff Mm -hmm. and trying to collect it or try to be around it. You know what I've been doing a lot lately is um, going on YouTube and watching collections of 80s television commercials. Yep, I do that all the time. I do it nearly every evening. (laughs) That's I do that all the time, and that's where I get lots of inspiration for music. It makes um honest. It's I wish I the only thing I wish is um <clears throat> just because of the way that they are recorded on old VHSs and stuff. Like I wish yeah. there was an archive that was like high quality. You know, like they went back in yeah. and went back and like rescanned the negatives because it makes really good. Yeah background like if you don't if you want to have something on in the background yeah just 80s commercials i mean i don't know if if the ones you watch are like you know like the british ones or you know but yeah i've been watching like the you know american commercials and i'm in canada yeah. so are we share most of the commercials i mean the, yeah. there was some there is some difference but um for the most yeah. part the major campaigns you know if it's like a mcdonald's ad or a burger king ad it, yeah. it's the same in canada because they just yeah. use the american one but what i noticed is just these weird fads where there's just certain years where it's like hmm like people were really concerned about dandruff in like 1986 <laughs> you know like it's weird because yeah, like no, na- yeah. nowadays when i watch tv i don't really see like dandruff ads yeah for like head and shoulders or, or or shampoos you've never even heard of because they're not even on the market anymore like you'll be I like, know they're obsessed and they have a weird way of explaining it like yeah. as uh, time goes by there's a different way of addressing what is the problem like if you have dandruff yeah. like what is the issue 
And yeah. I was watching some of these 80s ones where the trope was, what was it, like itchy scalp? <laughs> like that was the thing they were yeah. targeting. So there's all these commercials yeah. showing like a guy in a business suit like scratching the back of his hair. And then flakes on his shoulders. Yeah, and then and then all of a sudden yeah. there's like people pouring salt on his shoulders and just like <laughs> And the the point of the commercials were that if people saw you scratching your head, yeah. they would know that you had dandruff. And so like it was yeah. the shame tactic. And I saw so many like the only reason why I'm bringing it up right now is because I literally saw so many where that was the trope of the ad was like yeah. people will see you scratching your the back of your neck hair there and they're going to know that you have dandruff because those, those commercials are much more linear, so they're much more you've got this you need this mm-hmm. they're not subtle a lot of them they're really kind of with a slogan at the end yeah 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 they're really formulaic which you don't get so much anymore I think they probably have to be a bit more I don't know. When I was younger and in the 90s, when I remembered like hair commercials, like if it was a dandruff commercial, it would always be like a guy in a salon. Yeah. And like combing some lady's hair and he'd be like some professional like French haircutter or something. And then he would like comb her hair over and then they'd show a lady with like a black dress and show like the fucking the the, the salt on the shoulder or whatever. But I just found it so weird that these 80s ones were really focused on the guy scratching his head. Like that was... Yeah. That was what dandruff was, was people with itchy heads walking around. Maybe I need to, I need to really top off my 80s, you know, look and my vibe by just scratching my head all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting method. Yeah. There are some great ones, though. Like, there's some really funny fucking commercials in the 80s, like when, when they... The ones that had, like, huge production value. Oh, yeah. When they've got, you know, like, the lasers and the chrome text. I mean, that really was a thing. Like, I mean, it, it, yeah, it, it really well, was. In this country we used to get a lot the the commercials we'd get from america would be the ones for coke and seven up and things like that and they'd be so different to our ones because mm-hmm. our ones would be quite standard you know about washing powder or something and then these ones for coke <laughs> would be you know on a yacht with this big power rock ballad thing yeah. <laughs> with kind of all this really cheesy awful kind of people hugging and stuff mm. for coke the thing I used to associate a lot with commercials for drinks uh, in the 80s, uh, whether it was a pop or beer, yeah. was when they would do this thing where like a hand would like slide the pop can into frame along with like a splash of water. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. Like they would do that a lot where it's like, just for the taste of it, Diet Coke. Yep. And then like they'd slide in like the can and then like water just fucking yeah, splashes lands, in with a wave. It lands in some ice yeah. or something, you know, and it splashes <laughs> up. I, there's, a, there's a commercial I posted on the Duet um, Facebook page a few weeks ago for Sprite and it's exactly that nice <laughs> I think it's German but I think it's maybe dubbed over from, an, from a US ad but it's exactly all those things mm-hmm. someone diving into a pool the splash goes onto the can you know the classics it's awesome <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy though like once I got into that rabbit hole of watching 80s commercials and now like yeah it's a thing I do a lot of. I just put it on, and then it's just there, and I keep looking over. And yeah, I know a lot of people do that. It's it's interesting to see too when some of the the cli- like the thing we think of as being cliche of eighties, like when these things actually yeah. start. Yeah, because even as early as like nineteen eighty, where it's still that carryover from the seventies. Yeah, but there was still some stuff going on with the way the women look. Yeah, the makeup styles and things, and then. Yeah. I almost preferred, like, I liked the way the women looked and their makeup style and stuff like that, like, in, in the like the early 80s ones I was watching. Yeah. And then it kind of goes stupid for a little while where the ladies look kind of silly. Yeah. Um, and then it kind of, I know, it's weird. It's I've been thinking about that lately as well, is, like, 
when we talk about you know like nature versus nurture and stuff like that and i think yeah i think when you're young that forms like the type of women you'll be attracted to so like like the the biology part of you is like okay well you're a straight man you like ladies but the ladies you sort of see in the world like when you're young is like what your brain gets tuned to like liking because like i like the way 80s women look yeah and i think that's literally just because i was born in that time and that's what i was exposed to like in in media yeah i, yeah, I agree i think like, with that is there's a lot of things like saying about how we watch those commercials or you know framing pictures from then or listening to music that sounds like it's from then i think that the look of people in general and things like that just go it just fits in with that I think it's just another part of that, you know, wanting to be part of that scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if so, someone looks eighties, you know, it's like. Well, I think the thing is, though, some with some of those commercials is that if you go somewhere and someone comes in and they've got an eighties, what's supposedly an eighties outfit on, and you think, okay, it is eighties, but no one would actually wear all that stuff. You know, it's kind of a real cliche eighties thing. You sometimes watch those old commercial compilations he's like this is 280s yeah. <laughs> this actually looks like a ripoff well and any and yeah any commercial for diet like shakes or whatever where the ladies are wearing yeah. the leotards and have like the fucking headbands and like those things on their ankles yeah. and stuff and like oh they're they're doing this like yeah it's so cliche and it actually yeah. did it <laughs> yeah um <laughs> let's listen to another track and then we'll uh, we'll keep checking uh, keep checking fuck me checking <laughs> Jesus Okay here's a track by a duet Called (laughs) Fuck me Uh, Provision Uh, And it's cool
And that was Provision by Duet. And I'm here with Duet right now. We're talking about the 80s, and I'm having a fucking aneurysm or something, because I, <laughs> I don't know what's going on with my brain. Uh, but we're just, we're just chacking. <laughs> yeah, we're talking dandruff. <laughs> Do you have, like, a particular, like, favorite, uh, you know, when you're, like, going through these old commercials? A favorite dandruff? No, a favorite... Because <laughs> <laughs> the answer is yes. Oh, good. <laughs> um, no. That's the thing I love, too, is is products that don't exist anymore. That I love. Oh, yeah. Like, when you see, yeah. like, you see the leading dandruff shampoo, but our special yeah. two-in-one, and, like, be sure to use fucking extra. And, like, they show it and just like, well, there's a product that yeah. isn't a thing. You know, like, they didn't... Uh, and they're spending so much money on anything, you think, oh, this didn't work out for you no, guys. No, they did, they did not win the dandruff <laughs> war. But genuinely, the, mu- the music in lots of those adverts is a massive influence on me. But sometimes more than pop music from the time things from you know home video idents commercials things like that just little bits of music that no one would probably even notice you know or it's just kind of incidental music in the background it sets a kind of a vibe in your head i get that from those adverts you kind of it's i don't know it just does something where i think it's the repetition as well right because yeah even a song like first of all like when i was a kid i didn't really sit down and like listen to music until I was, you know, maybe more like towards the end of public school and high school. That's, you know, like would have a stereo and actually like know the songs I like. Because, you know, when you're a kid, you just sort of accept what is being played around you. Yeah, yeah. And so commercials obviously are very repetitive. And so a lot of those you probably would have heard like hundreds of times and... I think that's part of it too. I think also that's why there's that video game influence on a lot of like the synthwave music because we were all playing games and so we were listening to that looping three minutes of music. Like if you're playing Mega Man, you know, you're listening to a two minute loop for fucking years because those games are hard as shit. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. They're so familiar, aren't they? Because you're just playing them all the time and listening to, yeah, the same repeated kind of melodies and stuff so it's got to go into your brain somewhere and just sit there and fester it's waiting to come back out again yeah, yeah festering <laughs> waiting for the time to strike yeah. <laughs> you know in between like uh, making mm. music and stuff do you have time for games are you like a gamer or you watch movies or what do you do now i've recently got more into like retro games yeah so i always had in the 80s i had a NES and then I had um, a Mega Drive you know Genesis Mm -hmm. then I kind of not really been into games that much kind of in my adult life not as much then so recently I've been buying games for kind of old Nintendo games and things like that and I think that kind of ties in with that the music and the whole culture of it because I think for me the adverts the music the games all those sort of things they are like one thing they all tie in together Mm -hmm. yeah they're as influential as each other and it's the same with the instruction manuals the video game commercials themselves yeah were almost just just as important in setting the overall tone of like the game because obviously the graphics couldn't convey all the stuff that they were trying to convey yeah, absolutely you look at the zelda manual yeah or like the nintendo power magazine and you're like oh i get it he's like an elf with like a sword you know but then when you look at the actual game itself like the sprite is very simple yeah. and often in the commercials where they would have like actors in costumes or animated sequences yeah. that really helped define what it is this game is actually trying to show you trying to convince you that it actually looks like a person in the game and not just a kind of cube of yeah. <laughs> pixels one of my favorite 
favorites that uh, I probably <laughs> referenced a bunch on the show is when when the Game Boy came out and there was uh, Super Mario Land, like that was the yeah. Mario game, and graphically very simple. Like I've gone back and played it recently, and even yeah. Mario's graphics are very basic. But I remember the commercial where they had like a 3D Mario and he's flying in his little plane, yeah. and then the commercial shows a dude facing off against a robot because you can like system yeah. link, and it's like, and you yeah, can system right, link yeah. and blow your opponent away. <laughs> And I still I love that just the way the way that dude talked and um, yeah and it's really enticing as well and you kind of they're really selling it aren't they they're really going for it and I think that's why people maybe nowadays when they go back if they're younger yeah. might not have the same appreciation for why games like Mortal Kombat yeah. were so huge at the time yeah the fact that it was like real actors that was like a big deal yeah it's a massive shift yeah it's a massive shift well because I remember when the first time I ever completed I think it was Sonic the Hedgehog. You, when you completed it, you got this picture, like a still picture at the end, I think, which yeah. was just a picture of Sonic, mm-hmm. a really detailed picture that looked like the picture on the box. And I remember thinking, this is, you know, this is good. This is serious stuff. That's what we <laughs> fucking worked for. That's why, you know, like, because yeah. most games you'd play was literally a black screen that said congratulations. Yeah. And then other games you would literally play and get all this way just so you could see a fucking picture. I know. Like, that was that was the reward. <laughs> I spent three months for this high-resolution picture. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And I couldn't save it. It's, like, it's, just, it's so worth it. Here's a picture of Sonic yeah. crossing his arms and Tails is there just kind of floating behind him and there's some clouds and some... Yeah happy animals cheering yeah. and then like some games where you play them 100% so you can see like a another picture oh yeah because obviously Super Mario Brothers which was the classic that everyone used to complete on the NES you get to the end and it's like well done yeah. see you later you know <laughs> done <laughs> Yeah, oh, right. Starts to get us here. And sometimes, too, they would be so compressed. Yeah. Because I remember um, playing Mortal Kombat 2 on the Super Nintendo, and in the arcade, when you when you beat it, you got these big pictures. Yeah. That there's, like, maybe, like, two frames where it'd be, yeah. like, Scorpion defeated Sub-Zero, and there'd be, like, a shot of Scorpion posing. And on the Super Nintendo, they were, like, so tiny. They were, like, these little tiny squares, and the whole screen was, like, that gray stone-looking slab. Yeah. And this little yeah. tiny picture in there. <laughs> But it was still like, cool, a, a picture, you know? Like, <laughs> I know. A picture. Yeah. <laughs> we did it. <laughs> yeah, great days. Yeah, man. <laughs> well, listen, um, we can probably wind this down, but uh, how about we listen to another track and then we can have some final thoughts. Uh, is that cool with you? Go for it, yeah. Ooh, you released this uh, very recently, mm-hmm. and this was a track called Lifestyle.
And that was Lifestyle by Duet. And I'm here with Duet right now. We're all having a good time. Yeah. It's very important that I keep telling my guests that they're having a good time. I know, because I was about to say, you know. (laughs) (laughs) So then when they walk away, like subconsciously, they're like, oh, I did have a good time, even if the whole interview was like... Have you sold it to me? (laughs) (laughs) Well, if I sold you that, you you love this fucking shampoo I got. (laughs) You won't be scratching your head anymore. Thanks. I need that, yeah. So what's on tap, man, for the future of, uh, of Duet? You're going to come up with something? Yeah, new album. Cool. Lifestyle, uh, back in January, was the first single. What did I really say? Not the first single from the next album, because I released a track called Connections last year, which is going to be on the album as well. But yeah, just finishing up the album, basically. Like with all the... I've got the tracks there. You know, they're all kind of in... They're like sketch form. So now I just spend a bit of time just going through the ideas and and working on them and and hoping that it all comes together. Well, I hope so too, man. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad you hope so too as well. (laughs) Yeah, but obviously with this third album, because I've done two others now, you know, it's um, slightly different. But no matter what I do, it's always going to sound like that. I realize I focus this whole conversation mostly on Borderline, but um, you also had Horizons as well. Borderline's the album that most people know. I think because Horizons was just done just to see if I could do an album. You know, I mean, I put a lot of effort into it, but just to see if, to try and do something, uh, an album of music that I would enjoy. And by the time I did Borderline, I thought, okay, well, we could maybe do a bit more, you know, with vocals and some other stuff. They fit together. You know, they could almost be like one long album, um, but Borderline's maybe just slightly different because it's got the vocal tracks on there with Stuart. Do you plan on doing uh, more with him? Yeah. We've recorded some stuff. We're actually, we're actually working tomorrow as well. Ooh. On going through some bits. So, yeah. Definitely. Definitely Stuart and I'll have something else, yeah. Well, that's exciting. Yeah, hopefully it's going to be good. Hopefully it'll be, uh, hopefully it'll work and it'll come together. What retro game are you uh, currently playing or have played the most recently? What I played the most recently? I bought WWF WrestleMania for the NES the other day. Um, <laughs> I had a quick, a quick game of the other day, but it's quite hard work. <laughs> you know, like we were saying earlier on, it doesn't look like, re- it doesn't, you know, it doesn't look like wrestling. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I did. I did pick up. I got. I've got a uh, a NES Mini as well. So I'm playing some of the games on that. I have a Retro Pie, but I bought oh. a like replica Mini NES case for it. Oh yeah, nice. With a with a functioning like reset button and stuff like that. So it's a. I've uh, been looking at those. Yeah, it works well. I think it's worth it. It's still like the Retro Pie isn't powerful enough to do like the later systems. So like you still need a computer to yeah. do proper like N64 emulation or anything that generation forward. But I mean like yeah. the Retro Pie works well for you know like NES and Super Nintendo and yeah. Genesis and that shit. Well, I kind of have been looking at those those consoles where you can put a NES cartridge, NES cartridge, you know, Mega Drive cartridge. You can put they've got lots of slots in them for all the different size cartridges. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's another way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I've been looking at getting one of those. So yeah, they must have those built where they have HDMI out. Yeah, I they imagine. do. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Yeah, that's the main thing, really. Is just some of these older analog systems. They just they just don't look good when you plug them into a new TV. And and the conveniences of new TVs, just the thinness of them and the, how lightweight they are. I mean, that's one thing that I almost forget sometimes. Is I forget about like I'll go to someone's house and they're moving like some old television. Yeah. You know, like my grandma wants this out of here or something. Like, okay, yeah. I'll help you out and then you pick it up like even like a 20 inch tv and you remember like holy fuck like these things weigh a ton like they're just these 
it's it's like inside well it is inside it's just like this fucking hunk of metal and like it's insane and like nowadays like i can literally like carry a 50 inch television myself because like they don't really weigh anything and like, it's like, well, crazy. I like gathering around in the you know in the living room watching a 20 inch tv yeah. <laughs> And we played split screen on that, dude. Because yeah. <laughs> like when when I sit there and like play split screen with my buddies in high school, like yeah. I had a twenty seven inch TV. I remember like Whoa. my dad had a twenty seven inch TV, and that was like serious. That was the big TV of the yeah. time. Because I remember when my buddy got a job yeah. and he bought a thirty two inch TV, Whoa. and that was like holy fuck. And that thing is huge. Yeah, <laughs> like He's it's massive. It is as wide as it is, you know, like it, it, it is a, it is just a giant square. It's deep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's insane. But it was a big deal, man. Like 32 inches, like, holy shit. Yeah. That's pretty serious. That's even impressing me now, you know, <laughs> that you managed to get that by then, you know. Well, he had a good job or he had a job. That was the point. Yeah. I didn't really have a job. So I, uh, I had to live off the scraps and that's why a lot of my favorite games are the ones they are just because I'd play the same cartridge for, you know, like a year or two because that, that was it. Yeah. You're stuck until your next birthday or whatever. Yeah. (laughs) Anyways, man, listen, it was fun talking to you. Yeah, you too. Do you want to pick a track that you, uh, are, are particularly fond of from Horizons? Because I feel like I left it out. So maybe we should end on a Horizons track. Yeah. Maybe just play the title track, Horizons. Oh, that's the first one that I worked on for that album. Cool, man. And, uh, yeah, is there anything you, you want to say that we haven't said or you? No, just look out for the new album and you can always, uh, interact with me on Facebook and Twitter and stuff. I'm always there. Cool. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Oh, I'm, I'm really bad at ending shows, by the way. That's uh... so that was a really interesting little s- snippet for me, there, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, man, listen, uh, you have a lovely day. Yeah, yeah, good to speak to you. And uh, keep on making cool music, and I look forward to more duet, because it's good stuff. And uh, yeah, and now we'll listen to the track Horizons by Duet. Yeah, thanks, man.
right, and that was my conversation with Duet. Uh, I enjoyed that, and uh, his music is great, and I look forward to more stuff coming from him, man. Uh, It's good. And on that note, it's time to go. So uh, thank you very much for listening to the show this week. Tune in next time where I'll catch up with Marco and Florence, and we'll listen to lots of awesome music. But until next time, uh, have a lovely weekend, and keep on uh, rocking the cool synth music, because that's that's a cool thing to do. And me? (laughs) Well, I'll just be waiting until you get back on Beyond Synth, the best synth music chat show there is in the fucking world. Thanks for listening to Beyond Synth. If you would like to support Beyond Synth, please visit patreon.com forward slash beyond synth. And don't forget to check out Beyond Synth on Facebook, Twitter, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Instagram. If you want to submit your music for the show, please email it to beyondsynth at gmail.com. Have a lovely day.